Welcome to Parkview On The Go. I'm Nathan, the online pastor, and I'm glad you're here. Parkview is a place where, regardless of your past or your story, you can take a step toward God. Whether you've been around church all your life or you're just exploring what this Jesus thing is all about, you belong here, and we want to help you discover what your next step might be. You may or may not know this, but Parkview is turning 70 years old this month. And at the same time, our senior pastor, Tim Harlow, and his wife, Denise, are celebrating 30 years of ministry at Parkview. So needless to say, we're going to celebrate all that God has done through our church and through the ministry of Tim and Denise over the years. That celebration is happening the weekend of April 24th and 25th. Now, I know what you're thinking. I'm part of the online community, and I'd love to participate, but I'm not sure how. Well, one way you can help us is by responding to a question that I posted in Parkview's online campus Facebook group. And if you're not a member of the group, just go to Facebook and type in Parkview Christian Online Campus, and it should take you right there. Your response to that question will allow us to compile all kinds of stories of how people have been impacted by what God has done through the ministry of Parkview. Thanks in advance for helping us make that celebration something special. And thanks again for joining us today. Enjoy the service. Yeah, Parkview, why don't we stand together as we bring music to God today? Come all you weary, come all you thirsty, come to the well that never runs dry.
the foot of the cross. Jesus is waiting. God so loved the world. Yeah. In the darkness we were waiting without hope, without light. From heaven you came running There was mercy in your eyes To fulfill the law and prophet To a virgin came the word From a throne of endless glory To a cradle in the dark
Lord God, right here in this place, we stand on the truth of knowing that there will come a day when all of this will pass away and we will stand before your throne and we will praise you forever and ever. And sometimes that hits us. May it pierce our hearts today. We love you so much. Thank you for giving us your son. In his name we pray, amen. Thanks for worshiping today. You can go ahead and be seated. Ever since I started my new job, it's been nothing but stress. My manager tells me that the apartment's going to hell in a handbasket. So I called Goo. He gave me some suggestions, and now there's kittens in my handbasket. It's just too bad I'm allergic. <laughs> Hello! Hello, Parkview. Good to see you. Good to see you this weekend. And a uh, special welcome to everybody all around Chicagoland at all of our campuses, everybody out in New Linux. Hello, New Linux. Uh, good to see you through the television here. Uh, Homer Glenn, good to see you. Everybody around here at Orland, uh, good to see you. Everybody online, uh, welcome as well. And uh, it's going to be a good uh, good weekend together. And, and last weekend, uh, what a great time to celebrate Easter. Amen. <clears throat> that was good. Um, the, the greatest event, by the way, uh, in all of human history when Jesus bursts forth from the grave and displays his love for me and you. Uh, what an incredible time uh, to celebrate. I'm so grateful for that. And I know that uh, this weekend, as we gather up again like this, and we're just starting to get more used to this, gathering on campus again, I know there are probably some of you uh, who are coming back on campus for the first time in months and months and months and months uh, because of this COVID season that we have been in. And I just want to say to you, uh, welcome. And again, I'm glad that we can gather up like this and begin to figure this out again. It feels good. And I know there's also others uh, online and on campus uh, who maybe you haven't been in church for uh, years or even decades, but you came to Easter last weekend and said, you know what, I need to get back into this. Uh, I need to get myself, my kids, my family, uh, my grandkids, whoever it may be, uh, back around uh, church. And so I just want to welcome you uh, as well. And we are starting a brand new series this weekend, so it's a good time. Uh, to be here and be diving in. And the series, you got to be careful when you say it. It's called When We Get Hell Out of Here. When We Get Hell Out of Here. And what we're going to be talking about uh, over the course of the next uh, few weeks is uh, the other side, the afterlife. Uh, what happens when we die? And, and I know that there are some of you, there, there's no doubt about it, that, that some of you gathered up this weekend, you're fired up for this series. Because you love it. You, you love to talk to people. You love to study. You love to research. You love to debate, you know, like what's going to happen when we die in heaven and hell and what it's going to be like. And I get that. that. That's fantastic. Because some of you are fired up to study this type of thing. Others of you are like, okay, 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 here's the thing. When I die, I die. Okay? I'm dead. I'm dead when I die. That's what happens. And so I, I, I don't know. I, and and here, here's just what I want to say to you. Wherever you are on that continuum... Uh, with being concerned with, thinking about studying uh, the afterlife, uh, where, wherever you are, I think we're all a little bit curious, most likely, about what happens. And so here's what I've titled 
the message as we launch into this series this weekend. It's called Five Minutes After You Die. Five Minutes After You Die. And of course, there are hundreds of books that can give all kinds of guidance and all kinds of insight and thoughts about what happens when you die and you know, what's waiting for you on the other side in heaven or hell and will you recognize people there and, and that sort of thing. And, and I've read a lot of these books and they're, some of them are very, very interesting. Uh, today, this weekend, what we're going to do is this. We're going to take a look at an unforgettable story, an amazing story from the ultimate guide to the other side, that is the Bible. And so if you have one of these, or if you have a smartphone or a tablet, I'm going to go ahead and tell you where we're going to go before we get there. Luke chapter 16. If you have a Bible, smartphone, tablet, on campus or online, Luke chapter 16 is where we're going to be the whole time. And, and I'm telling you, I promise, this, what we're going to study today is fascinating. It really is. And so I want you to be able to see this if you have a Bible, smartphone, tablet, whatever. Now, before we get to Luke chapter 16, uh, I need to tell you something about this message uh, this weekend. And, and that is this, that about 17 years ago, I preached a message very similar to this. I was 33 years old. I was planting a brand new church in Southern California. And I preached this message five minutes after you die. And I preached it, I'm telling you, if you could have seen it, if we had a video, I preached it with great conviction and what I would call just unbridled confidence. Okay? Here's what I'm saying. That 17 years ago, I believed that I understood pretty much every aspect of the afterlife. Okay? I just did. That, 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 that's what I thought. I believed I pretty much knew exactly what Jesus meant when he was talking in this story that we're going to study today. I was pretty sure I knew precisely what he meant, and I preached it with unwavering certainty. And I tell you all of that just to let you know that here I stand today, 17 years later, Passing 50 years of life, 25 years in ministry, and I tell you this, I am more certain than ever about my faith and my trust in Jesus, but I am less certain that I understand every single aspect of what Jesus taught on every single subject. And so here's why I say all this before we dive into this. I don't want some of you, hopefully all of you, to get to the other side in heaven, and you're walking around, and you're checking things out, and you're like, whoa, and you're like, hey, okay, Jesus, hello, um, this is not how it's supposed to be, Pastor Todd said, in that message, like, when I die, this is what it would look like, that's not what we want. What we just want to see, we want to do the best that we can to determine and look at how Jesus describes what happens five minutes after we die. And what's amazing is, is in Luke chapter 16, we get insight into this. It's one of the only places in the Bible that you can see this kind of thing. And Jesus starts out in Luke chapter 16 by introducing us to the two main characters in this story that he's telling. There's a bunch of people gathered around, 
and he starts telling them this story. He shares with them the two main characters. I'm going to read it from right here in my Bible. It'll also be up on the screens. Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 19. And there was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. And at his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. Now, pause right there for just a moment. Jesus gets into this story, and he starts by telling us the two main characters. The first one is this really, really wealthy guy. It's the rich man, Jesus says. And, and he has this wonderful estate. He has this incredible home. He, he wears the best clothes, like purple, right? I mean, hello, purple. It, it's the best clothes. He has the best food. He goes on the best vacations. It literally says that he lived in luxury every day. Every day. He's, you know, he's like the Instagram influencer of the day, okay? And then it also tells about the second character, and that is this beggar named Lazarus. Everybody say Lazarus. Lazarus. Now, don't get confused because there's another Lazarus in the Bible, right, who's a friend of Jesus who dies and Jesus raises him from the dead. You may know that story of Lazarus. This is a different Lazarus, okay? This is this beggar who was outside the gate of this rich man. And he was super poor, hungry, thirsty, all of those things. And he was just waiting for some of the hired help of the rich man to bring some scraps that fell off the rich man's table so he could eat. He had to beg to eat. He, he, was, he was in such bad shape, it, it tells us the detail that even the dogs that lived in the community would come and, and like lick his sores and things like that. This guy was in bad shape. And at this point, you got to put yourself in, in, in this first century. There's all these people standing around. Jesus starts, starts telling them this story. And I have to think, at this point, the people who are listening to Jesus, they have no idea where this story is going. Right? They're like, what? What, what? what is this all about? Have you ever had a friend like that? You're like, what are you talking about? Land the plane, okay? Speed it up here, would you? You ever had a friend? Maybe, don't point at him, okay? Some of you are pointing, don't point. Um, but you have somebody who just keeps telling a story. That's what's going on, I think, with Jesus. All, everybody gathered around saying, what in the world is going on here? And then Jesus surprises them. And he gives them the punchline for the whole story. Now check this out. Again, in, in the Bible there, verse 22 and Jesus says, and then the time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. That's in heaven. And the rich man also died and was buried. So here's the punchline. The punchline is both of these people die on the same day. They die on the same day, and they die at the same time. And so the question really begins to be from this point out in Jesus' teaching, what then happens five minutes after you die? And in the remainder of Jesus' teaching, he gives us some insight into what happens on the other side, what happens when we die. And the, and the first thing, if you're taking notes, this might be good for you to write down for you or for your kids or your grandkids or somebody you go to school with or a neighbor or something like that, if you're ever talking about this kind of thing, the first thing that Jesus says from Luke chapter 16 is this, if you're taking notes, you will be wide awake. You'll be wide awake. Both the rich man and Lazarus, they wake up on the other side pretty much immediately. 
There's, there's, there's no lag time, it appears. It's, it's, it doesn't you know, go on for a while. You pretty much are awake there on the other side. Both of them are in Jesus' story of what it's going to be like. And, and we know, think about this, a few weeks ago, we were studying Jesus' last words on the cross. That's the series we're coming out of before Easter and all the different things that Jesus spoke from the cross. And, and one of the things is Jesus is speaking on the cross. Remember, he's talking to the thief on the cross. And, and remember this, he says this to him in the book of Luke. Jesus answered him, I tell you the truth, today you'll be with me in paradise. Not, not next week, not, not like a month from now, not, hey, hey by the way, it's, it's going to take a while because, you know, you got to go through all this, you know, whatever in, in the afterlife and the afterworld. No, no, no. Listen, today you'll be with me in paradise. It seems, it appears to me that when we die, we're pretty much awake or conscious in some way on the other side. And a lot of times when I start talking about this, uh, especially when I'm just having coffee with someone or it's a small group or something like that, a lot of times people, when we start talking about heaven and eternity, people want to start talking about our bodies, right? Like, Todd, okay, okay, okay. So we wake up on the other side, and okay. But do we have bodies? Do, do, more specifically, do I have this body? And I know some of you, depending on how old you are, are thinking, I don't want this body. I, I hope I don't. I hope what you're going to say is no. We don't have bodies. And, and what it appears to me is this. When we wake up in eternity, when we wake up on the other side, that we do have bodies, but they're not like really the bodies that we have now. They're, they're much improved bodies, if you will. And, and think about it this way. Just, just take a small little leap back with me to Jesus after he dies and Jesus is resurrected. So Jesus dies on the cross. He comes back to life, back out of the grave three days later. And think about him. The disciples, he has this new body after he's resurrected, but the disciples can still see nail prints in his hands. As Jesus comes to them, the disciples can still see the wound that is in his side from being on the cross. So it, it, it seems that Jesus has this, some sort of body that has some sort of recognition to his body that they were accustomed to, but it's also very different. His body is very, very different as well. For instance, he can, he can walk through walls because he just shows up in a room with them. He, he, can, he ascends into heaven in, in this glorified body, in this new body. He, and, and I know this gets into a whole other thing, and some of you, this is really exciting. Some of you are going, what? He can transcend time and space. He has an improved body. And it's my understanding as I study the Bible is that when, when we die, we have these improved bodies, but our soul, our, the soul part of us, the spirit part of us, goes immediately to be on the other side. And we find this in the Bible in Colossians. If you want to write this down, Colossians chapter 2 in the Bible, verse 5. To be, you've probably heard this before, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So, so when we're done here, the part of us, some of us goes to be present with the Lord. Now here, here's, here's what I want to say again. Exactly how this happens and when this happens, when we get these new bodies, this is something that I used to know. Here, here's, ex, here's exactly how it happens, okay? Here's, here's how it's going to work, okay? If something else happens, then be wary of it. Because this is what happens. Now, this is what I used to, this is what I think. And here's what I think now. Here, here, here's what I believe now. Today, I'm less sure of exactly how and when it all happens, but I'm more certain than ever that it does. 
But what I'm saying is I don't know exactly how God's going to do what God's going to do, but I am sure of the promise of what he's going to do and how he's going to give us these new bodies and this new life that we are, we are indeed, friends, going to wake up on the other side and our bodies are going to be changed, no doubt about it, and they are going to be improved, no doubt about it. Now, how and when all of that takes place, I'm not as certain as I used to be. I'm just certain of the promise that it's going to happen. That one day, we are going to wake up on the other side. And it seems that we'll be wide awake. Here's a second thing that Jesus says in his teaching to these people about the other side. You're going to be filled with gratitude or regret. Gratitude or regret. Jesus goes on in his teaching here, and he says, the time came, We've already read this first part. When the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side, that was heaven, the rich man also died and was buried in hell where he was in torment. He looked and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus, that's the beggar, right, by his side. So he called out to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send, send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water uh, and cool my tongue. Because I'm in agony in this fire. So again, what happens is the beggar Lazarus dies and he goes to heaven, to Abraham's side. The rich man dies and he goes to hell separated from God for all eternity. And here's where I want us to be really careful with this, Parkview. Don't don't, don't miss this part, misinterpret this part. The rich man didn't go to hell because he was rich. He didn't go to hell because he was wealthy. In this text, in this story, the the beggar, Lazarus, is sitting next to Abraham in heaven. And Abraham is one of the most affluent, wealthy people that we've ever known in the history of the world. Abraham's wealth did not keep him out of heaven. And here's what I want us to realize. I know this is probably a whole other message for a whole other time, but it's something for us to think about and chew on and kind of metabolize. Listen, Parfew, your wealth will not keep you out of heaven, and your wealth will not get you into heaven. The things that we have here, our goods, our riches, our bank accounts, don't help us getting in or hurt us getting in. They, they don't cause us to get in or keep us out. And, and what happened understanding this in the story is the wealthy man had all of these riches, but he also apparently ignored the poor, the needy, the thirsty, the hungry, who were just right outside his door or outside his gate. This becomes the issue. You see, he had his eyes only on his own needs. This is Jesus' point, not on the needs of others. To put it in modern terms, right, he had his mind on his money and his money on his mind, right? So you're like, okay, don't do that. Don't ever do that again, okay? But it's true. He had his mind on his money, his money on his mind. And listen, part of you, 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 you know this, that blessings can actually blind us to other people who are in need sometimes. And I think this is what Jesus is wanting us, them to know then and us to know now. That that sometimes when we have more blessings, what we just want is more and more blessings instead of being a blessing to others. 
I've, I've been there at times in my life where I just, man, I, these blessings and what God's doing, and I just, I just need more of this. And, and it's easy to take my eyes off other people who need that blessing. And what I want us to understand is that this rich man's problem was not that he was busting at the seams with money. It's that he wasn't being a blessing to others with the resources that God had given him. This, this is the issue in the story. And, and, and Scripture is clear. Jesus is clear that one of these days we're going to wake up on the other side and depending on how we've used our wealth and our blessings and things like that and where we end up in eternity and how we've accepted Jesus into our lives and all these things, we're going to be filled with gratitude or we're going to be filled with regret. There's, there's not really any middle ground. And, and, and this section of Scripture, I don't know if you've studied this before or not, but this is one of the only places in the Bible that, that we see described the words and the thoughts and the feelings and the experience of someone who is separated from God for eternity in hell. This is one of the only places we find that. And, and so I want us to look also, I want us to keep digging into this. I don't want us to just gloss over this. I want us to look at some truths from God's word also that, that, that honestly, this is no pleasure to share. You know, as I'm studying this the last few weeks and thinking about it even today, I'm like, maybe we could just skip that. We could, ju- we could just move on from that. We could just, do, you know, keep, keep, keep on going, you know, to the part where, you know, we get to be with Jesus and that sort of thing. It's going to be fantastic. But I, I could not preach this truth, but, but I'm committed to sharing this full truth of, of what Jesus is teaching here. And, and so here's, here, here we go. Have you ever wondered, or maybe you've been around someone who wondered, like, like, what is hell like? What is hell like? I mean, we've seen movies, right? Is that it? We, we know what Hollywood says about hell or Hades or whatever it, that they call that. But what's it like? In this section of Scripture, in Luke chapter 16, Jesus shows us three things that are happening to this person who is separated from God for eternity. Here's the first thing. If if you're taking notes, go through these three different things. The first thing is, it's a place of inescapable torture. Being separated from God for eternity is a place of torture. Here's what happens there in Luke, in verse 22. The rich man says, I am in agony in this fire. I'm I'm being tortured in this place. Another place in the Bible, if you want to write this down, in Mark chapter 9, which is another one of the Gospels in the New Testament, Jesus also describes separation from God and hell as an unquenchable fire or something that can't be quenched. And he, when he says that, he's actually referring back to the Old Testament in the book of Isaiah that also says the very same thing. So it's, it's definitely to be separated from God, however you want to play that out, is a place of torture, inescapable torture, and, and, and fire or, or whatever that is, okay? Here's a second thing. And this, this maybe you hadn't heard or thought about as much. It's a place of memory. It seems to be a place of memory. Check this out. He goes on there in verse 25, and Abraham says to him when he asks him to, to come, he says, son, remember that in your lifetime you received the good things while Lazarus received the bad things. But now he is comforted here and you are in agony. So, so Abraham is talking to this person, Abraham in heaven with Lazarus. He's talking to this rich man who's separated from God. And he says, hey, he says, remember in your lifetime. I always thought that was, that was interesting. I've been just kind of trying to soak on that and exactly what that means. And I don't have, I'm telling you, I don't have perfect clarity on that. But he says, remember back in your lifetime. Remember those blessings you had. Remember that 
beggar guy who was poor and needy and you saw him and you knew who he was and you just let him be at your gate. Remember that? It seems that when we are in that eternal place that there will be some way to remember there what happened here. Which is a pretty sobering thing as I settle it into my life. So it's a, it, can, it can be a place of memory. And then here's another thing that Jesus said, a final thing, and that is it's, it's irreversible. It, it, it's, it can't be changed. It, it's irreversible. These aren't my words. These are, these are Jesus' words in verse 26. And Abraham says, uh, he, he wants him, you know, to come take the drip of water and, and put the drip of water because I'm, you know, in this unquenchable fire. Abraham says, besides all of this, between us and you, a great chasm has been set in place so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. It, it seems to be that he's saying that it's irreversible. That where we end up when we die is permanent and will be filled with Gratitude or we'll be filled with regrets when we get there. And these are Jesus speaking about what things look like in that after life. And then there's one other thing that Jesus says that I think is so important for us to understand, especially as we are still alive and well right here on this earth. Jesus says this to his listeners that you're going to reflect back on earth with a new clarity. On the other side, you'll have a new clarity about this life on earth. And Jesus says it like this in verse 27 and 28. Or actually, I'm sorry, the rich man says, Then I beg you, Father, because remember, he can't go from this side of the chasm to the other side of the chasm. Jesus says, you, you can't do that. You can't. And so he says, Then I beg you, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. And let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. As soon as this guy dies, there's this urgency in his mind, in his life, reflecting back to his life, to his family here on this earth. And for the first time, really, in our story, this rich guy seems really concerned about other people. And he says, listen, this is from Jesus' words. He, he says, this is Jesus telling the story. He says, listen, listen, then, then if that's the case, if I am where I am, then please, please send someone back to my brothers. Send someone back to my family because I still have five brothers who are down there on that earth and you've got to have somebody go tell them not to come to this place of torment. And five minutes after he died, this, this guy was crystal clear. I mean, he was... He was really good and focused on what really mattered most in life. And, and what mattered most, you, you know this, I, I know this, but it's so easy to get mixed up with this. What matters most is not just our house and how it looks and the kitchen and the garage and the car and our clothes or fame or beauty or having a big following on Instagram or Facebook or anything like that. What matters most is people. Amen? It just really is. It's people that matter the most. And did you know this? Did you know this? You ever thought about it this way, Parkview? The only thing that you can take with you to heaven is other people. That's it. 
There, there's nothing in about, you know, taking, man, I'm going to take, man, I just got this brand new car. It's so good. I've heard there's no speed limit in heaven. <laughs> you think, okay. <laughs> I can't, no, it's just, listen, the only thing you and I can take with us into eternity and on that other side is people. And as I mentioned 25 minutes or so ago, when we started jumping into this and started studying this, I, I, I'll tell you what, I, I'm not sure that I perfectly understand every single aspect of every single teaching that Jesus does. But here's what I do know, and I'm more convinced of this than ever. As I study through this over the years, I'm more convinced that heaven is real and hell is real and real people really go to those places. I don't know how and when it all works out, but I'm convinced that heaven is real and hell is real and real people really go to those places. And I'm also convinced of this, that a relationship with Jesus Christ will save your life in eternity. Accepting Jesus Christ into your life as as your Lord and Savior, being baptized into him is what will change your eternal zip code and make heaven where you're at, where you wake up five minutes after you die. Jesus says it like this. I'll pull this all together with this. Jesus says it like this in John chapter 14, verse six. Jesus answered these folks, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, I'm, I, I'm it. Accept me into your life. Welcome me into your life. And you can be with me on that side in eternity, in heaven, forever. There's another place in the Bible, in Philippians chapter 2, where it talks about how Jesus let go of his grip on heaven. He became a servant. He died even obedient death to the cross. And he let go of his grip on heaven so he could try and grab a hold of you. The reason he let go of heaven and came here and gave his life and died and rose again, like we studied last weekend, was to try and grab a hold of you and I know this I know that there's some of you around all of our campuses this weekend that you at some point in life you have reached out and you have grabbed Jesus hand you've accepted him into your life you've been baptized into him you're trying you're doing your best to live for him by his power and his spirit inside of you and that's fantastic when you the Bible makes it clear that then it's not what you do it's what he's done and you're going to be in heaven with him one day amen that, that, that's the way it goes. And then I also know this. I know that there's some of you on all the campuses and your posture has been more like this. You've just kind of had your arms crossed for a lot of years. Well, I don't know. I don't know about that. I don't, I don't know about everything about heaven. I don't, I don't, Pastor Todd, I don't know if what you said about that is right. And I don't know if I agree. And listen, I'm, 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 not, I'm not. I'm just saying a lot of times this is the posture towards God. Well, I'm not ready to talk about that now. I'm not quite there yet. And here's what I'm just praying. I'm just praying that maybe this weekend would be the weekend where you decide to start uncrossing your arms. And maybe you just decide to to reach out to Jesus and say, you know what, If, if all of that is true, if accepting Jesus into my life guarantees my eternal zip code and where I go, then I, then I want to reach out to him. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, as soon as you begin to reach out to him, you're going to know that he's right there. In just a moment, the band is going to come and they're going to sing and they're going to do a song, Great Are You, Lord. 
It's a great song. It talks about how his breath in our lungs and we pour out our praise and he's the one that heals our brokenness and he's the one who can truly save us, not just now, but into eternity. And so I'm going to pray, but then the band is going to sing and we're all going to stand and sing with them. I want to ask you just to bolt it out and sing it. But during this song, this weekend, if you know, if you know you need to reach out to Jesus, you've never done that. I want to ask you while we're singing and while the lights are low, right where you're at, just, just reach out. And let that be a sign that you're reaching out to Jesus. That you're going to trust him for your eternity. And tell somebody about it. Tell somebody that you came with. Tell somebody on campus, around out in the lobby. Decide to get involved with some other people. Decide to be baptized into him. Decide to really begin to grab a hold of him and live for him. Let me pray for us and then we're going to sing. And if you need to reach out, just reach out those hands. God, thanks for today and thanks for your word that is so applicable to our lives. And thanks for this story that Jesus tells these folks and how it does give us tremendous insight from someone who's been there on what happens on the other side. And God, we're grateful to be able to come together and sing and worship and point our hearts towards you and also to grow and study passages like this. God, we don't know exactly how you're going to do what you're going to do, but we do trust the promise of what you're going to do in us. As we accept your son Jesus into our lives and you welcome us into heaven for eternity, we do trust that promise. God, I pray that you would touch people's hearts today who have never reached out to you that this weekend would be a weekend that they would never forget. And they would find that you're right there. You're so great. And we love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everyone says, amen. All right, let's sing together.
If you feel like God is telling you to take a step toward Him, maybe for the first time, we're excited for you. Just fill out the short Next Steps form at parkviewchurch.com slash next steps and let us know about it. We'd love to walk alongside you as you explore what it means to follow Jesus. And like I mentioned at the beginning of service, don't forget to hop onto the Parkview Online Facebook group and respond to my most recent question about the impact God has made on your life through the ministry of Parkview. It will help us prepare for our upcoming 70-year celebration and will also give you the chance to be a part of it. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his eyes toward you and give you his peace. See you next time.